Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much again for your presence here with us. Thank you for being a good father. Thank you for caring for your children the way that you do. And we, as your children, come before you this morning. We come to your word. We come into your presence with open minds, open hearts, ready for you to minister to us. God, as we get into your word, I pray that you would bring revelation. As we examine our hearts, God, I pray that you would reveal, that you would teach us, show us, mold us, shape us more and more into your image and your likeness. That's what we're looking for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, this morning, we are continuing our 87-part series of soul maps. Uh, We're talking again from the book of Psalms. If you're here, if you've been here, or you just need a refresher, either way, we're looking at the book of Psalms, and we're looking specifically at different Psalms to give us windows and uh, maps, as the series is titled, Soul Maps. It maps into what and how we're supposed to examine our emotional life and submit our emotions to the Lord. Uh, Jonathan had a really good quote. I think he said it very well of uh, how emotions make terrible taskmasters, but they make really good tools. Is that how you said it? That's, that's really good. We, we don't want to be people who are owned and driven by every whim of emotion we have, but we also don't want to be people who suppress and don't acknowledge and don't think about what is going on emotionally within us. God has made us to be emotional creatures, and if we don't recognize it, if we don't pray about it, submit it to the Lord, then... we have a tendency to become really unhealthy. And so in the book of Psalms, we get amazing, amazing windows into the emotional life of someone who is following God with every single bit that they have. If you've ever read through the book of Psalms, you see a lot of emotion. You see a lot of crying out and anger. You see the wanting, okay, we won't go there. Maybe when we talk about anger, we'll talk about bashing babies' heads into stones. I'll save that for later. Okay. Sorry. Wow. What an introduction. But you see, you see a lot of emotion in the Psalms is what I'm trying to say. You see a lot of emotion here. Uh, And so we want to dig into that, get into it and see, okay, what, what is it that God would be trying to teach us in our emotional life, how we're to recognize, see what's going on in our hearts and submit that to God and give it to him. So that's what we've been doing. That's what we're getting into even more this morning. And I'm just going to go ahead and put a few cards on the table this morning. I, for the past two weeks, have been preaching about grief. And I think it was really important. I think it was great that we, we had been doing that. But I felt the need this morning. I could have gone into guilt or anger. See here, I, I could have done that, but I decided no. We've got we've to pump the brakes a little bit, maybe move in a different emotional direction, especially it's Father's Day. You know, we're here to celebrate. So this morning, I'm, I'm talking about contentment, about contentment. And honestly, as I was preparing this message, I thought to myself, you know, this could very well be a good ending to this series, because I believe that whenever we talk about contentment, a state of happiness and satisfaction uh, in who we are and where we are, uh, I think that that's actually a really good place to end. I'm going to talk about more emotions later, but like I said, I wanted to move from grief to to something that was maybe a little bit more uh, palatable this morning. So so we're talking about contentment, and I've also, uh, you know, preachers can be long-winded. I've heard 
through the grapevine that I, I preach too long, talk too much. So we're also getting into Psalm 131 this morning. If you've got your Bible, Psalm 131. And this is a three-verse chapter of the Bible, okay? So we're getting into a short one. Hopefully this is a little short-winded. Hopefully it's peppy and, and nice, happy, makes you feel really good by the time you leave. All right, no, I, I, I pray and I believe that we're all going to be challenged as well as we get into this, but, but uh, I want to talk about contentment. So if you have your Bibles, please go to Psalm 131. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. If you happen to have your, your phone or your uh, Victory Life Church app, I've put my notes up there in the app as well. So if you, for whatever reason, don't have your Bible, you want to follow along, you can see uh, the scriptures that we're going to read there. So uh, Psalm 131, let's hear what, what the Lord has to say today. Starting in verse 1. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. That's the psalm this morning that I want us to talk about. And as we talk about finding contentment in the Lord. So this, this psalm, it's uh, one of a selection of psalms from Psalm 120 to 134. You find what are called the Songs of Ascent. Uh, the Psalms of Ascent were used in ancient, ancient Israel to, to be songs that were spoken as the entire nation was making pilgrimage to Jerusalem to go and worship the Lord there. So there's like, there are different kinds of psalms, but these were designed for the whole nation to be going to go and worship the Lord together. It's like a song for journey to the temple to go and worship him. So it's a song of ascent. And in this psalm, I find what truly to me encapsulates what I want my emotional life to be like. You know, we've talked over the past few weeks, we talked about joy and this high, high. You know, whenever you, you talk about joy, you think of shouts of praise and songs and dancing and uh, big smiles, happiness when you think of joy, even though sometimes it comes through hardship. And then we talked about grief and this low, low, this depth of despair that you could experience in life. And within all of these range of emotions that we have talked about and are going to continue to talk about, what you and I should always be looking for, even in the midst of all of those things, is we should be looking for some level of equilibrium that we can only find in the presence of our God, that we can only find in the presence of the God who created our emotions, that those high highs, those low lows, those everything in between come together into something that through the course of our life, we, we truly sense and find contentment, contentment, ease, and and I just want to say before we continue is that contentment does not mean complacency. I think sometimes whenever we talk about contentment in the church, it's looked down on a little bit of like, no, you should never be content. You should never just be happy with where you are. You should always be pressing forward, always be pushing through. And there is an element of truth to that. But there is also an element to truth of truth that no matter how much you're pressing, no matter how much you're pushing forward, if you aren't doing it from a place of peace and stability in who you are and who God has made you to be and being in his presence, then everything that you're pushing for, you're never going to find. Yeah. 
Everything that you're striving for is always going to be just on the other side of the hill. It's always going to be just a little bit more out of reach because you haven't found true contentment in the God who created you. A, a really, really amazing pastor. His name is Dwayne Sheriff. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's, he's awesome. He's good at what he does. But he said of contentment before, he said that if you can't be happy without it, you'll never be happy with it. Talking about that next stage of life, that next car that you could get, that next, the, the, whenever you can finally build that house, whatever it is that you've set up in your mind that's that next thing that I need, and if I don't get that, then things just aren't right. If you can't be happy without it, you're not going to be happy with it. So contentment is something that we can cultivate right now, in this very moment, in the midst of grief, in the midst of joy, in the midst of pain, heartbreak, celebration, in the midst of everything, we can cultivate a heart of contentment in Christ and in the Lord. And that's a good thing. It doesn't mean that we're complacent. It doesn't mean that we don't strive to see God's kingdom come. Jesus told us to pray that the kingdom would come and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, that's not complacent. That is pushing, that is moving forward, but it's from a place of contentment. It's from a place of knowing who we are and who God's made us to be. So this contentment, it's a beautiful thing. And, and how it's described in this, in this uh, psalm right here, I think is really powerful. Because how it begins is talking about my eyes are not lifted too high. I'm not too high up. I'm not at a place of pride. I'm not looking down on anyone. I'm, I'm not prideful in myself right now. And he also says, I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for myself. That also shows me that there's not a lot of anxiety that's going on right here. How many of you have ever felt anxiety whenever you start to occupy your mind with things that are too great and too big for you? Ever come across a problem that's actually too big for you to face? A de like a, an issue in life that actually isn't dependent upon you? Whatever decision you make, something's just going to happen. Those things that are too great, too marvelous for me, this is, this is too big for me to actually change. My child maybe is growing up and they've got their own decisions to make and I can't make them for them. I'm not going to occupy myself with things that are too great, too marvelous for me. So even in this, in this psalm, we're not prideful, we're not anxious as we're coming to the Lord. And then this beautiful picture, this imagery in verse 2, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. That imagery, that's something that I long for. When I'm in the presence of God, I want to be like a weaned child with its mother. I currently have a child in my home that is not weaned. I have a child that is currently receiving breast milk from its mother. And in the night, whenever that child wakes up and needs to be settled back to sleep, mom isn't always the best person to do it especially if she's already fed him recently, because the kid, whenever he's in his mother's arms, thinks that it's time to eat, thinks that he needs something. He's wiggling, he's squirming, he's trying to, trying to get what he can't have right now. But if he's maybe in my arms in that time, like, okay, I'm not even trying to eat right now. Maybe I can settle down. And so I've seen what a non-weaned child looks like in his mother's arms. Very content, very happy whenever he's eating. But whenever he's trying to eat and is not able to, he's freaking out. He's striving. He's flailing. But this picture that it gives us is so cool, like a weaned child, like a child that's, that's content to just be in his mother's arms. 
A child that's not there for the milk, that's not there for uh, the food, not there for the, the next big thing, but is just simply content and happy to be right there in his mother's arms. That's what we're to be like in Christ. That's, what, that's the kind of contentment that we're to see in God, our Father. How many of your prayers, and I'm asking this question to myself as well. I've got to stop myself here, okay? But how many of your prayers go straight to the thing that you need? How many times do we go to the Lord and the times that we're really, truly talking to God is because, God, we, got, we need to figure this stuff out. Lord, help me. I need this. I need that. Change this person's mind about me. Make this person talk good about me. Help my business. We go to the Lord a lot of times with the things that we need. But how many times do we go into the presence of the Lord with no other agenda but simply to sit, to be, and to enjoy the God who created us? That's my question. I'll just ask myself, how many times do I do that? That's, that's what we're to be like. That's the kind of contentment that we are, are to live in and to cultivate. And this is what I really want to get into this morning. Because you might say, okay, yeah, contentment sounds really cool. Uh, that seems great, but I don't have that right now. Well, something that's pretty cool, a, a way that the psalmist says this in, in verse 2, it says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. I have calmed and quieted my soul. The psalmist does not choose to say here, my soul has stumbled upon calm and quietness. Does not say that my soul happened to feel calmed and quieted today. Thank you, Jesus. The psalmist here is indicating some action on his part. David is saying, I have chosen to calm and quiet my soul. I have calmed and quieted my soul, and that's, what, that's how I'm going to cultivate contentment in the Lord. I have calmed and quieted my soul. And if you remember back whenever we first started talking about emotions and looking in the Psalms, we see a lot of times that the writers of the Psalms speak to their own hearts, speak to their own souls, say, hope in God, I will again praise him. Be still, O my soul. The, the psalmist will speak to his own heart, speak to his own soul and say, this is what we are going to do. Because again, we need to listen to our emotions. We need to process them. We need to be aware of them. We need to submit them to the Lord and not submit to them. So just in the middle of processing an emotion, there is some action that needs to take place on our heart or on our part, on our side of things to say, in the middle of this, in the middle of what I'm feeling right now, I'm going to still and calm and quiet my soul. I am going to be like a weaned child in my mother's arms. I'm going to be content in the presence of the Lord right now. And I'm going to hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So we've got some agency here. We've got to do this. And so that's what I want to talk a lot about this morning is how do we learn this skill? How do we learn the art of contentment? Because like anything in life that is worth having, it takes time. It's something that is cultivated. It's something that is tended to, and it's pruned, and it's learned over time. We live in a society where everything needs to be instant. Everything needs to happen immediately. But that's not how things actually work. If you've lived on this earth for any period of time, you realize that there, the important things of life take place over time. I want to have really, really amazing kids. I just want to, real quick, celebrate 
Danny and Melissa Crest. They've got, yes, beautiful, wonderful kids who are now starting to have kids. And so they get to be, I don't know if you've picked your grandma, grandpa names yet. We'll introduce those next week. Mima and Papa. So they're going to get to be Mima and Papa. And they could probably attest as well as anyone, and, and I know we've got a lot of other versions of Mima and Papa in the house this morning, but you can attest to kids are really special. Kids are a heritage of the Lord. They're a blessing. They're beautiful. But kids do not become good, functioning, awesome decision-making adults like that, right? It takes years and years and years, and conversations and prayers and development and growth takes time. It's something that's developed along the way. It's not something that's instant and always happens just immediately. I'm thankful that it's not instant because I keep hearing that my daughter is going to grow up really fast, and I don't want it to happen. Not yet, anyway. So, Learning contentment, like anything else in life that is useful, that is good, that's pure and wonderful, it, it takes time. And so I want you and I, I want us as a church to be on a journey of learning contentment, learning to be happy and satisfied in the presence of our God. That's what I want for us. And so there, there's a really, really cool teacher uh, on this topic, someone that I think we could learn a lot from. His name is the Apostle Paul. And that's who we're going to look at a little bit more this morning. So if you would, if you've got your Bibles, go to Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul's about to, he's going to learn us real good this morning about contentment. And uh, I'm going to, if, you, if you're okay with this, even if you're not, I guess I'm just going to do it anyway. But I'm going to start in Philippians 4.13, and I'm going to kind of work my way backwards. We're going to kind of rewind through scriptures a little bit this morning, because I think that what the Apostle Paul says is it, it kind of builds on itself, and it shows us something really beautiful. And so I want to start at the end and kind of work backwards about what the Apostle Paul says here in Philippians 4. And so I'm going to start at kind of the climax. This is a verse and a scripture that a lot of people know, uh, almost anybody could could spout this off. It's kind of in the collective conscience, even if uh, someone's not a Christian, uh, they've probably heard it before. But what Paul says here is that he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You heard that before? Okay, good. We're at least teaching the Bible a little bit in this church. So it's a very familiar verse. Also, I'm just going to be real with you, a very misquoted or misapplied scripture. And I'm going to tell on my wife just a little bit, okay, because I, I know I've done this before, but I've heard her publicly tell this story about herself, and so I can use it. It's in the public domain now. I'm going to say it, and uh, she's fine with it. I already got approval. But my wife grew up as a really good Christian girl. She knew all the scriptures. She knows the Bible better than I do now. She knew it better as a fourth grader than I do now because she grew up in the Baptist church, and they know how to teach their kids scripture, Okay. Yes, amen. So the Baptist got that right, for sure. But she knew her scriptures. She, she knew the word, and so she was witnessing all the time. She would witness on the basketball court. And so in middle school, she, as a part of her witness on the basketball court, she would encourage her friend verbally, like loudly, so that the whole gym could hear it. Her friend's name was Abby. Her, her friend Abby would be at the free throw line getting ready to shoot her free throws, and she would say, let's go, Abby. All things through Christ who strengthens you. 
you're going to knock this free throw down, which is great. I think it's good. I think it's good that people heard that and were maybe encouraged by it. But I would say probably that what the Apostle Paul meant whenever he wrote this down, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he probably wasn't saying that he could bat a thousand at the, at the plate. He probably wasn't saying that he could knock down every single free throw because the power of Christ has automatically given you a hand in the cookie jar follow through that's going to just sink every time. He probably didn't mean that. But honestly, uh, a lot of people kind of use the scripture in similar ways. Like, oh, well, I got, I got something I need to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I could buy that Porsche over there because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe I receive. Thank you, Jesus. But so that's a, a lot of times how it's applied. But what I want to do is I want to start with that because that is a powerful verse, and there, there's a lot of power in it. Even though the power isn't necessarily to hit every one of your free throws, there's a lot of power in this. And I want us to get into that. And I, I believe that this is something that we're striving towards, even as we talk about this, this idea of contentment. This is actually what the Apostle Paul was talking about, the ability to be content, which honestly, if you look at yourself on the inside, the ability to be content can many times be much more difficult than knocking down your free throws. The ability to be content and at peace and in happiness in the presence of God, no matter what circumstance you're going through, the ability to find that kind of contentment is a lot more difficult than these other things that we would apply this scripture to. Knocking down your free throws, batting a thousand at the plate. Contentment can be more difficult. So let's rewind a little bit. That's, that's what the Apostle Paul gets to. That's the climax that everybody really quotes well. But let's take it a step backwards here for a second. And I want to, I want to back up to verse uh, 11. 11 and 12. He says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned, everybody say learned, I've learned in whatever situation that I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned, everybody say learned, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So this strength that the Apostle Paul's talking about, how he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, he's talking specifically about how he has learned to be content in the face of abundance and in the face of need, in the middle of hunger, in the middle of being satisfied and having all the food he could ask for, in the middle of all those different things, he's learned the secret of being content, how to be content. This is something that is learned. This is something that is developed. And I want you and I to be on this journey of learning how to be content because we're going to face all different kinds of emotions in life. We're going to face grief. We're going to face pain. We're going to face joy. We're going to face every single bit of emotion and range that is under the sun. It's going to happen to us all. And so I want us to learn in the middle of whatever that thing is, I want us to learn what contentment looks like in Christ. So we need to be learning this, just like the Apostle Paul learned to be content. And so how did Paul learn contentment? What was it like for him? And to, to have even a little bit of a, more of a preview into how the Apostle Paul learned contentment, I want to rewind a little bit more in this section of Scripture. Okay, so we know that we're talking about contentment. And I want to rewind now to, to verse 8. 
If we can rewind to verse 8, I think that we're going to see a couple of really powerful things that are going to be useful for us in learning contentment. He tells them in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So as we're rewinding here, he's saying these things right before he talks about how he learned contentment. He learned to to, uh, know what it's like to abound and to be in poverty. A couple things that I really want to highlight here, and I'm going to use... Ah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But he, he lists all these really wonderful things. That whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever, if there's anything commendable or excellent, true, think about these things. Think about these things. And then he says, what you have learned, received, and heard, and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I think there's a key here in learning contentment. He focuses on thoughts, and on practice. So I'm going to share with you just a few truths that I've learned from the therapy world real quick. And they're truths, obviously, because the Apostle Paul is talking about them in the Word of God. So this is, I've corroborated the therapy truth with what we know to be true from God's Word. So something that I've learned from therapy is that cognitions, behaviors, and emotions are all interconnected. They all affect one another. So when I say cognitions, I mean the thoughts, the things that you think. There's whole systems of therapy that are developed around this idea. The things that you think and the things that you do, behaviors, and the things that you feel are all woven together. They all affect one another. So the way that you think can change the way that you feel. The way that you behave can change the way that you feel. Are we together so far? Okay, so there's this connection between cognitions, behaviors, emotions. And as we're talking about emotions, how do I learn to be content? How do I learn to have stillness and quiet within my emotional life? How do I do this? The Apostle Paul gives us a really awesome tool into how to do that. He lists all these really great things, whatever's true, whatever's pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any encouragement, think about these things. He, he tell, tells the church here to focus on your thoughts. Have you ever thought about your thoughts? A lot of times we just think, but often we don't think about what we're thinking about. We're going to think about thoughts real quick. So if we focus on our thoughts, the things that we allow to, to gestate and develop in our, our brain here, because, you know, you can't control every single thought that pops into your mind. But you have some control and you have some agency around what stays up there. You and I, we can, we can control what we continue to think about, what we allow ourselves and force ourselves to focus on. We can control those things to an extent. So he said, think about what's true, what's pure, what's holy, what's lovely. If you're always sitting around thinking about your neighbor and the house that they have that you don't, then... Don't be surprised if you start to feel unsettled about not having that. If all you ever think about is how rude and unkind your wife is, then don't be surprised if you start to 
covet someone else's wife that seems like they only say nice, beautiful, uplifting things to their husband. We can focus on the things that we are thinking about. We, we can tell ourselves, okay, I'm going to think right now about something that's pure. This is where scripture and meditation can really come in handy. You know, we don't just advise meditating on scripture because we have stock in the Bible or something, okay? We tell you to focus and meditate on scripture because that's filling your thought life with something that is true. God's word is true. And as you fill your thought life with that, it is going to inevitably affect your emotions. Maybe you won't feel it right there in the moment. Maybe it'll take a little bit, but there is a connection there and it is going to affect those things. And so he starts out telling the church to think this. And I just want to back up a second so we can see this connection between thoughts, behaviors, emotions. Let's just say you're having an emotion. You feel like your husband is a mean person. You feel like you don't love him anymore. You feel like you're unhappy with him. I just don't feel the love there anymore. Well, first, I won't even talk about the fact that we've got things screwed up if we only talk about love as a feeling. But rewinding from that, let's say you're telling yourself, I'm not, I don't feel happy with my husband anymore. Well, let's say you start to train yourself to start practicing good things towards your husband. You start writing him notes or letters. You start telling him that you love him. You start, I, I formulated this example with, uh, on the husband's side. So I said washing the car. You could wash the car too. You could wash your husband's car. But let's say you start practicing what being happy with your husband looks like even if you're not feeling it in the moment, but you start practicing that. Start telling him the ways that you love him. Start showing how much you care about him, even if you're not feeling it. And let's say you start to think about good things towards your husband, even if you're not feeling it, but you start to think about, wow, yeah, this is the, the man I married. I, I, I remember that he's a very, in, a, a very good person of integrity. And you start thinking about those good qualities that you know are there. Maybe you haven't seen them in a while. But you start to think about those good qualities, think about that. I would, I would bet that as you start to practice what feeling love looks like with your husband, and as you start to think about these good things about your husband, I believe that emotions will follow. And I've, you've seen that before in, in people's marriages that Okay, maybe for a time they feel like they're faking it till they make it. But honestly, if they set aside time to, to go on dates, to do a date. And if they start to encourage one another, say, say kind and uplifting things to one another and think positively and not just go through all of the times that their spouse has done them wrong and uh, you know, been a terrible person to them, but start to think about those things that they really care about and admire in their spouse, you start to see emotions follow. You start to see that feeling of love and happiness start to actually be cultivated and start to be there again. And so these things are all connected. The Apostle Paul knows that. And he tells this, this church, he says to think about this list of things and to practice the things that you've seen and learned and observed and received from me. So, so start to do some things as well. You know, so this is where I would encourage everyone to find 
a, a mentor. Find someone who you admire, who you think is doing the Christian life right, or at least close to right, because we've all got screw-ups, you know? We, we all fail and fall short. But at least find someone who you think, okay, they look like they're doing this pretty well and model what they're doing. The Apostle Paul told people, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, I want to give you something that you can practice, that you can do, not just thoughts that you can have, not just a philosophy for life, but look, observe what my life is. Observe what I'm doing and do these things. Because love is done. It's not just thought and theorized over. Compassion is walked out and lived you and I, our salvation was lived. It was achieved in an action, in a, in a behavior of Christ dying on the cross, being risen from the dead. He didn't just come and philosophize about everything, give us some great ideas to ponder. He gave us a life to look at, to observe, to receive from. And so I'd encourage you, get, find someone, anyone who would be a mentor to you, who is living a life that you would want to emulate and practice and do those things. I believe that there's going to be a connection there to practicing, doing, following Christ, and finding contentment like Paul is describing here. Because that's what he gives the church. He says to think about these things, to observe and practice the things that I've shown you to do. And so maybe you would even look at that, and you know this, this uh, example that I've given about a husband and a wife and how thoughts and practices connect with emotions you know maybe you see like okay that's a great little idea that you put out there pastor micah but you're not living my life right now you're not in this you, you you're not married to this person you're not in my situation you don't see the economic hardship that i'm facing you don't know what my situation is like and that's true i don't and honestly there are some times that you can't just fake it till you make it there are some times where you could go years and years. I'm trying to do the practice. I'm trying to think good thoughts, but I'm still just in this belly and pit of despair. And I can't find what contentment looks like. And I get that. And I don't want to gloss over it and pretend like uh, just think the right thing and do the right thing and everything will be great. Okay, that's not what I'm spouting up here right now. And so maybe you're in a situation like that and you know, hey, I've got something really big and serious going on here. Well, I want to rewind a little bit more in this scripture. So if we get back to Philippians 4, let's say verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul, he does write to this church to, to think about what they're thinking about and to practice the things that they observe into him or from him. But at the same time, you know, there's no amount of thinking, there's no amount of doing that could get us to a place of true and ultimate contentment. Ultimately, this beginning is in prayer. Prayer to the God of contentment. Prayer to the God of our salvation. Prayer to Jesus Christ in whom we can, is the only place that we can find true contentment and satisfaction. So even rewinding from thoughts and, and behaviors, let it begin with prayer. Let us always come to prayer. This is why we're getting into the Psalms to talk about our emotions because these Psalms are prayers to the Lord. 
And so I want to encourage you more than anything this morning to just to go to the Lord in prayer. And, and here's what I would advise, you know, because I, I mentioned earlier that sometimes our prayers, you know, just praying doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing it right. You say, hey, I spent 10 hours in prayer yesterday. Well, if that 10 hours was mostly just you complaining, then you might not have accomplished a whole lot. Or, you know, uh, there's a, a story from the life of Jesus where this uh, really religious person was in the temple and saying, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like all of these people. That's a prayer. <laughs> He's talking to God. But do you think that that kind of prayer is really? No. That's, so rather than using our time of prayer to just overly complain, to pat ourselves on the back, to be in pride, let's pray the way that God would have us to pray. And so that's why we've been going to the Psalms. I can't tell you the amount of times here lately, especially as I've been digging into the Psalms even more. I've started so many prayers over the past few weeks. I've started a prayer and just stopped myself and thought, no, I shouldn't be praying like that right now. Now, and then I have nothing better to do but then to go to the word of the Lord to start my prayer. And honestly, in doing that, I... Even in using my own words, it's now directed in a better way towards God. Directed away from just my, my own issues, my own pride, my own anxieties just being played out in something that I call prayer. If I allow the Psalms to guide and to direct and these prayers to, to form the way that I present my, my issues to the Lord, then I'm actually going somewhere in my prayer. So let's, let's just say that you find yourself very anxious. You find yourself wanting what somebody else has. You find yourself being at this place of just inner turmoil, up and down, not feeling content, and you decide that I'm going to pray to the Lord, and you begin your prayer the way that Psalm 31 begins. What if you began your prayer time like this, saying, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. God, help me to hope in you. Help me to be at peace and calmed and quieted right now as I come before you. Help me to know that you're present, that you're with me. Help me to know that you care and that, that I can be assured in your presence. Even as I come before you with these really difficult things that I can't handle on my own. You know, my wife and I, I guess I'll tell on us again. Well, I just told on her individually last time. Now I'll tell on both of us. We've been coming to the Lord a lot lately with some of the same issues over and over again. You know, we've had the same conversations hundreds and hundreds of times. And we'll even say, I have nothing new to say about this. But then just spew everything that's in our hearts of like, this is really hard. This is really, really tough. I don't see an end to this. I don't see how this is going to work out and how we're, we're going to survive this. Okay, we don't go that far. But, you know, we'll just kind of just spew the same things over and over again. Thankfully, I married a really, really good woman 
Thankfully, she's started lately to say, okay, we're saying the same things over and over again. We're spewing the same stuff. We're coming back to the same place. Let's just go to the Lord and put this on him. And so then we'll sit there and we'll say, okay, God, you, you see how burdensome this is for us right now. You see that we can't make a way out for ourselves right now. You see that we can't handle this on our own. God, take this anxiety upon yourself. We can't, we can't handle it. God, take this situation. We put it in your hands. We put it on the altar to you right now. God, this is what we're praying for. This is what we want. You know what the desires and hopes and dreams are in our hearts. But God, ultimately, we give it to you. This is yours. We can't handle it for ourselves. It's, it's got to start with prayer. It's, it's got to begin with prayer. And yes, he's going to, we, we can focus on our thoughts. We can focus on our behaviors. We can, we can think, we can do, and that'll affect our emotions. But ultimately, if we rewind things back far enough, it's got to start in a place of prayer to the Lord, submitting to him what our emotions are, to s- submitting to him how we're feeling, the anxieties, the pride, everything in between, and saying, God, we want this to be in your hands. We want to be at peace in you. And our God is faithful. Our God answers prayers. You know that? And he's going to answer that prayer. I believe that every single one of us in this church can live and be like a weaned child in its mother's arms. And in a culture right now that is filled to the brim with fear and anxiety, that is filled to the brim with a pressure to strive more, to do more, to have the right thoughts, to have everything figured out. In that kind of a society, a people who are content, a people who are satisfied in the presence of God, who are living not to please others, but living from a place of knowing that they are pleasing to their creator, we are going to be like leaven in the town of Boswell. We are going to be like leaven in Choctaw County. This little bit of thing that's put into a piece of bread that makes the whole thing change. And it doesn't have to be some big, loud, ostentatious thing, but truly just you and I being content in our Savior, I believe is going to be a powerful witness to Jesus Christ because we live in a day and an hour of discontent. Extreme discontent. And so for you and I to live contentedly, is a prophetic declaration of Jesus Christ, who he is, and how there's a different, better way to live humanity. That's what we're going to be. That's my prayer for us. You content with that? Okay. Well, I want to do this. I want to pray over I want to pray over everyone who's here. And so usually at, at this time, I'd say something like, bow your heads, close your eyes, and find somebody to raise their hand to pray over. But I don't necessarily want to do it that way this morning. I, I'd like to pray a prayer over anyone and everyone. Honestly, if you, just, if you want to receive this for yourself, would you just open your arms to the Lord? Just, I, I'm going to be doing that for myself, just receiving this from God. And so if you're receiving this prayer right now, just open up your hands to the Lord, open up your heart. Lord Jesus, it is our desire to find our hearts content in you. Lord, I pray that we would be a people of stillness and quiet within our hearts. We know that troubles are going to come. 
We know that anxieties are going to present themselves in life. We know that you haven't you haven't saved us just to make everything easy, Lord. You said that, that things were going to be difficult. But Lord, in the midst of that difficulty, in the midst of hardship and trouble and pain, Lord, let us be like a weaned child in its mother's arms. Let us be content at peace and satisfied in your presence where there is fullness of joy. God, I pray that we, Victory Life Church Boswell, I pray that we would be a people who incarnate, who live your contentedness in a world that is discontent, in a world that is striving for the next best thing, in a world that is full of trying to please and impress someone else. Lord, we do not occupy our minds with things that are too great and too marvelous for us. It is enough for us to be in your presence. It is enough for us to be called your sons and your daughters. It is enough for us to be redeemed by your precious blood, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts now that they be still, that they be quiet and at peace in you. And Lord, as we live that contentedness in you, I thank you that people would see that there's something different, that they would see our good works, that they would see our good hearts, they would glorify our Father in heaven, and that people would come to know you, come to declare you as Lord and Savior, King of everything, because of the way that we are able to live out contentedness in you. We thank you for it right now. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all, thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us. It's been a pleasure for me to get to be here and uh, to share my heart. I, I, I truly pray that as we continue, whatever emotion that we're talking about, I pray that the Lord would continue to, to stir up in our hearts this stillness, this peace, and this quiet, no matter what's going on. Uh, because I do believe that that is, um, it's, a, it's a declaration of who Jesus is. It points people to the salvation that's in Christ. Because a lot of people are striving for content. A lot of people are looking to be content and at peace. And they're looking for it in all different kinds of places and ways and areas. But ultimately, it's only going to come from the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're pointing people in that direction. And I believe that people are going to come to know him because of it. So thank you. If you would stand, I just want to speak a blessing over you and your families that as you go this week, that your hearts, all of our hearts would be, be formed, pointed in the direction of the love of God and of the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all be blessed.